0: I'd like to uh, turn your attention to an ancient passage of Scripture. And uh, here we are, 2023. Uh, Have you practiced that number yet, writing it out? So, um, I don't want to be... overly pessimistic or uh, optimistic. (laughs) You know, you just have to take it a day at a time as we go through a new year. But I figure that uh, it'll be another wild and crazy year to journey through, uh, full of challenges and joys, uh, difficulties and blessings. And um, Christian... You're called to give thanks in all things. You're called to rejoice always. And pray without ceasing. Easy, huh? That is something that uh, the Lord in his grace will help you and me to do. Okay? And so no matter what we end up facing, let's be recognizing that um, our God hasn't gone off on vacation and, and left us. That's a very special thing. Um, so to help us deal with these uh, whatever's <laughs> of 2023 come up, we turn to this ancient passage in the Word of God, Psalm 90. Psalm 90, if you haven't turned there already, please do so. There's a, also the outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along there. This is the oldest of the Psalms because of the author, um, well, the instrument God used, Moses. Moses wrote this. And um, it says at the very start there, you can see at a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And when it comes to facing adversities, difficulties, and problems, Moses is one of the more experienced men on the planet at the time. Especially the last portion of his life leading Israel through their wilderness wanderings. And it wasn't just as a a Boy Scout leader. (laughs) You read in the book of Numbers all the things that Israel did or didn't do. And what a heartache and a headache for their leader, Moses. And not to mention that Moses himself uh, didn't exactly do things perfectly either that one little move that he made <laughs> instead of speaking to the rock he hit. He struck the rock and at that moment God said okay that's it you and Aaron you won't enter the promised land and you know you, 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 we're good at comparing it's like right away he could have said but Lord these, these Israelites, what about them? Well, what about them? From Kadesh Barnea, guess what happened? You remember, if you remember the story, the 12 spies came back after spying out the land. 10 gave a bad report Two, Caleb and Joshua gave a good report. And the people sided with the 10 spies. And they cried out, oh... They cried out, we should just go back to Egypt. And that wasn't the only time they cried out like that. It's almost like, you know, you look at Moses and his life, uh, and you think, man, uh, what he did in the last portion of his life was probably no big deal compared to, you know, I mean, what what he had to do with Pharaoh is what I'm trying to get at. What he had to do with Pharaoh, stand before Pharaoh, let my people go versus dealing with his own people Israel at the end of his life. I find it very interesting when you read a psalm like this, Psalm 90, and then go back and read in, in Numbers chapter 14, 15, and on. And look at what happened there. But here, uh, Moses in being inspired by God, writes this psalm. And I believe what we have here, um, we're given wisdom keys. Wisdom keys to help us make it through the journey of the wilderness for Israel, even though it was kind of in retrospect, looking back on it, but also for you. In our day of 2023. So let's look at the Psalm and uh, Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And Lord, we bow before you to say, please uh, work in your wonderful way here uh, through your Spirit, uh, through the, the power of your Word Lord, I know each one of us uh, here, we need uh, times just like this where we come and worship and when we come and hear the preaching of Your Word. So Lord, do again what only You can do by Your Spirit. Lord, we confess to You our need. We confess that uh, so many times we uh, take charge of our own lives and... We admit that, and we confess that to you, Lord. And I pray that you would uh, work through this passage of scripture in my heart and each one here. We commit this to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So, if you're looking at your uh, your outline, it says wisdom is the title, wisdom from the wilderness. Um, you could add this, wisdom for your wilderness. <laughs> it's not just wisdom from, but it's wisdom for us. And so, we, uh, we look at this opening passage, and, uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, ever you formed the earth, the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God so, um, this is a brilliant first point. God is God. <laughs> God is God. And how often um, can we race over that thought and just figure, yeah, he's there. He is there. And again, in, as we go through this, keep in mind what... Moses has come off of or what, uh, what you know, he's dealt with in these f- some 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and all the, the problems that came. But see, when we say God is God, we can also say He is the great I Am. This is the first um, uh, memory that Moses had f- back from Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, you know, here's the burning bush. And God says, you know, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground, all this. And then it comes around to saying, tell them, I am sent you. Because uh, Moses is asking, wondering, what, who am I going to say sent me here? And this is the, the famous passage where God himself says to Moses, say, the, the I am And if you you know, most of us should understand what that's getting at—the self-existent One. And so Moses had heard this early on, but in this psalm he specifies under here's letter A, our dwelling place. God is God; He is our dwelling place. Um, Also stated as being our refuge, our shelter. Um, our safe place. Even some uh, stretch it to uh, saying, he's our home. You know, here's, here's where you are safest. And again, there, um, you know, the, the, the vivid memories of Moses being in the wilderness. Yeah, they, were, can't, they could set up their tents and everything, but they had to keep moving, keep moving. And to say, God, you're our dwelling place. You're, you are our shelter. Not these tents. Not this, uh, this, this valley or this place or whatever. God, you're our shelter. And then he says, in all generations. Referring to his, here's his faithfulness. No matter what generation. Here he is. Faithful. Unchanging. And so this first description, our dwelling place, does have ramifications along with it. <laughs> our security. Our safe place. He is our faithfulness. He is unchanging. Isaac Watts uh, wrote his hymn, Oh God, our help. In ages past, our, our hope for years to come. Our, sh- our shelter from the what? The stormy blast and our eternal home. And then Moses goes on, letter B, to uh, just point us to the fact that He is our everlasting God. He's our dwelling place. He's our everlasting God. In all their years of wandering, here's these, uh, I, I can envision it, You know, here are still water mountains off in the distance, and as they are wandering in the wilderness, here's mountains that they see. And they could, I don't know how many times they might have passed the same mountain range. But guess what? There they are. There are those mountains. Moses uses it like a, along with the earth and the world, use it like an illustration. Look at this picture. Look at that picture. The mountains, they're not moving. They don't shrink. They don't fade away. They don't uh, sink into the sea. No, they're there. And Just like he, he formed the earth and the world as he continues going. It's the same connection intended here. And what he's getting at is that phrase, from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, that blows the normal mind, uh, that blows your mind away. One commentator just describes it as from vanishing point to vanishing point. If I were to lay a rope down here and say, well, here's... You know, this little inch is your life. Right there. Boom. Not even an inch. A fraction of an inch. You'd still fail in the illustration because there's an end and there's an end. (laughs) From everlasting to everlasting, you cannot measure it. You cannot fathom it. But this is the kind of God that we have. So, think about it what kind of God has been fashioned in your mind over the years that's an important question to ask because a lot of times Christians form images of God in our heads in our minds in our thoughts about well this is what God's like and it's like like what I like (laughs) I like this about God He's loving and kind, and you know, a lot of us understand that. We know that that's not right. You've got to take in all the attributes that you can read of in the Word and recognize here's God. So, this one is incredible from everlasting to everlasting, never ending, the infinite God, He's there. And so then it, notice what it says in that last part of verse 2: From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let her see, own this truth. Own that truth. That seems simple, basic, elementary for Christians that have been around a long time. But do you own it when affliction surprises you? When suffering hits, when sickness hits, do you own that right away? Is that what comes to mind? You are God. I am not. You are God. I want to recall who you are. And the more you and I claim that very simple truth, you are God, the greater the likeness that I could stand in the storm or stand in the problem or face the difficulty, not in my own strength, but because of Him and who He is and the work He's doing in your life. He is faithful, isn't He? And so, you take that very simple statement, you are God. Is that your faith affirmation? In in any and every situation that we find ourselves in. And by the way, the situation of our lives really doesn't compare to what Israel was dealing with going through the wilderness. (laughs) You know, praise the Lord for modern day conveniences. (laughs) Hey, another thing to thank God over. Even last night, the electricity goes out, right? (laughs) Hey, modern conveniences. Little flashlights or candles, whatever. Camp lights or etc. etc. Okay, you get the idea. But let's ask ourselves what's in your mind as a first response to hardships, to anxiety, to anger, to withdrawal, or setbacks, or what is it? What's what's the first response that typically hits you? You still have a problem with cursing? Is that what comes up? Still have a problem with uh, just secluding and just going in a corner and kicking the wall or crying or whatever. What is? It? Yeah, so the point is here's the, the journey of life. Here's Moses' example saying God is God. He's our dwelling place. He's everlasting God. You are God. And so you think of the incredible 40-year ordeal that they went through and what a godly help this passage ends up being for us. So God is God and he will always be. He is the great I am, the one we can rely on, our help from ages past. But number two, mankind is transient. That's a very, again, a simple point But it's something that we bring out because here's what the passage is getting at. Life is life is fading, letter A. Or fleeting, if you want to use that term. It's going. And Moses uses these descriptions. He says, a thousand years for God is like yesterday. Okay? He calls it a a watch in the night. You know, three or four hours being what is described as a watch in the night. Being swept away uh, with a flood or like a dream, he goes on. Uh, Then he says it's, it's like grass. The grass that comes up and yet it fades and withers in the end. Each description pointing out the brevity of human life. And while we're at it, James, in his letter in the New Testament, in James 1:9 through 11, says the rich man's going to pass away, like the grass. He'll pass away, and then in chapter four of James, he says, you know, life is a, a mist or a vapor. It's here and gone. That's your life. That's my life. And what ten, what, what's the tendency of my mind and my thought life when I'm out there, when I'm not being reminded of the word? It's like, you know, well, that's too bad. That poor guy, you know, he, he died. Does it hit me? That I have a date with death? That you have a date with death? That's what's happening. And so... This whole portion of the psalm is set in contrast to God's eternality. Here's God, He's eternal. Here's man. Brevity. Letter B. It's because my sin is the cause. Verses 7 through 11. My sin is the cause. It's why God is angry why this world is cursed. You say, wait a minute, God's not angry. Yes, He is. He's angry over sin, over man's rebellion. It's why the, the crucifixion of Jesus absorbing the wrath of God was so horrific. Okay? And His judgment continues to be poured out in, in God's way, in God's, in God's fashion. It's because of sin. And he says, For dust you are, and to dust you shall return in Genesis chapter 3. And that carries on. Here it is in this psalm. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. Okay? Verse 7 it's, you know, there it is. You, you brought, uh, for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. Well, think of, again, think of the, the judgment that was poured out on the people of Israel for their rebellion. All of the people that were at Kadesh Barnea that voted for the ten uh, spies and their council, they went with that, they, God said right there, okay, you guys aren't going to enter. You're not going to enter the promised land. And so you know what the wilderness wandering was? A funeral march. It's an ongoing funeral march. Again, add that to the mix of your thoughts about what Moses is dealing with. Moses didn't die right away. Moses was able to go up on one of the mountains and look over at the promised land and see it from a distance. But time and time day after day, day after day, I haven't calculated it, but day after day, people were dead. They died. And you know, they could say, Well, was, you know, they didn't have any water or they didn't have food or what No. God said, You're not going to go into the promised land. This is God and His His order because of our sin. And being God, he says, you know, verse 8, our, our sins are not hidden from his sight. All sin is set before him. Placed in the light of your countenance, he said. And it ends with a sigh. We finish our years like a sigh. Why? Because of sin. Sin. is the cause. And there, there, listen, there are times in our lives... In this modern day age where, listen, we do not understand why some of our loved ones, you know, suffer like they have. Or have been, you know, have passed away. You know, we can't figure it out. And that can can haunt people. And it's, it's difficult. And yet, are you ever going to get the answer? Am I ever going to get the answer? Not in this life. And that's okay. As long as I'm trusting in the Lord. As long as you are trusting in the Lord through those hard, unanswerable issues of life. So, man, mankind is transient. Letter A, my life is fleeting letter B it's cause because my sin is the cause letter C God is sovereign over life and death just I got to remember that I've got to call that to mind God is God Psalm 31 14 and 15 says but as for me I will trust in thee O Lord I say you are my God there's that phrase again You're God. You're my God. And then he says, my times are in your hand. Now, no one can calculate how many days uh, you have left to live. Um, Some people have tried to do that because of this passage. They say, look, there it says. um, 70 to 80 years. (laughs) So, interesting. Interesting. But no one can predict it. Um, You know, it's not going to be something that you can come up with the number. So, the one who is uh, not taking in this truth ends up acting and living like a fool. When you understand that your life is Uh, fleeting away, you're more prone to uh, understand what God says about it, and it just probably helps when you stop and think I'm one day closer. Even if you're young and in the midst of a busy family, you're still one day closer and you don't know. You don't know what will come down the pike Jot down Luke chapter 12, 16 through 21, if you're taking notes, just to remember what Jesus said about the land of a rich young man. or a rich man. Produced, the, the land produced plentifully. He thought, I'm going to tear down my barns and build new ones, right? You remember this? Um, I'll have ample goods laid up for many years. I'll be able to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And then God says, you fool. Your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So, know who you are. Know who you are. And know what is coming. We do. We return to the dust. So number three, verses 12 through 15. How should we then live? Knowing that God is... uh, Here's God's eternality. Knowing of man's brevity... Verse 12 starts by saying, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Know how we ought to respond. Letter A, respond dependently and prayerfully. Make this a prayer of yours. Teach me, Lord, to number my days. Uh, Lord, may my time, uh, the rest of my time on this planet be to glorify you. Um, back to the letter. Uh, back to the letter that James wrote. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously. Okay, but let him ask in faith, without doubting. This is a just a another way to say. Letter A is live in humility. Live humbly. That's a good, good characteristic, my friend. <laughs> Because in all sorts of ways, your pride and my pride sneak in and want to steal the, the show. It's when the pressure's on a lot of times. And so, uh, live in humility. Humble yourself under the hand of Almighty God. Letter B: live in wisdom. I want to gain a heart of wisdom. Don't you want that as a believer? It's not just facts and knowledge. It's wisdom. That's the, that's the goal. There it is. Um, in the whole book of Proverbs. Here's the, the Old Testament v- perspective on gaining wisdom. Verse after verse of God's wisdom for life's journey. Okay. Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. You ready? Get wisdom. <laughs> there it is. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. Get wisdom. Chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All sorts of invitations, encouragements, appeals, learn and grow in wisdom. Prize her. Honor her. They, they, you know, Solomon starts personalizing wisdom. Well, then Paul, he's like, there there it is. I'm going to jump on this. And Paul, you know, he's got the home run shot here. Paul's going to say, you know what? Jesus is our wisdom. Christian, you want wisdom? (laughs) Grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And you know the, 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 the way things are going in our culture, more and more, we need God's wisdom. Know when to stay away from something that you question. No, stay away from it. It's folly, right? It's not like everyone here in this room needs to be told what's Stupid folly and foolishness versus what's wise and the the smart thing to do, the wise thing to do. But what happens? We get yanked by the attraction and we go after it. The folly. So, Paul puts the the big finishing touch on the big picture, that Jesus is our wisdom. Jot down 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and 30. He says that there. Jesus is our wisdom. And Colossians 2, 3. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Some of the the, uh, translations say that we might present a heart of wisdom. And I think um, it seems like the, the majority of the passages you know, or the translations would say more along the lines of uh, to attain the wisdom. Why? I need it. You need it. And so, um, yeah. James 3. Uh, James, again, brings out the great contrast of the wisdom of this earth Earthly wisdom, wisdom from below, or the wisdom that's from above. And so James chapter 3, 13 through 18, uh, shares that. How else should we then live? Letter see, be satisfied in his steadfast love. You know, I'm just sharing, here's a portion of this verse, but don't take it tritely, you know, like it's not a big deal. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I read it in my Bible. Come on. The reason it's there is because you and I get satisfied with too many other temporal things to the you know, neglect of being satisfied in Jesus alone, like we've sung here this morning. <laughs> Return, O Lord, in verse 13. Moses knew of God's anger at Israel's rebellion. And he says, have pity on us. And key issue here is Israel kept thinking of what? Think of this. You read in the Old Testament, Israel kept thinking of, hey, let's go, what? Come on. Let's go back
1: to Egypt.
0: That's where they were satisfied. So they thought. They, they thought, hey, if we just go back to Egypt, we're going to, we'll be fine. Let, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the bondage, you know, to e- Egyptians, okay. But hey, at least we had, you know, the food and, you know, the shelter, whatever they had. They're satisfied in the wrong thing. Something temporal. And so, I, it's like, I need it in my life, you need it in yours to get the cage shook to say, what am I showing my contentment and my joy and my delight in? All too often it's the stuff of this world. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Set your mind on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Moses understood. And at this point where he wrote it, he was able to say, okay, nothing compares to God and his steadfast love. So, be satisfied with his steadfast love. Are you worried about the future? Yeah, I can I can be. Has God then left you? Has God forsaken you? D- um, are you now distant from his steadfast love? Think on these things. Letter D. How should we then live? It, it really comes, it builds to verses 14 and 15. It builds to this 14 and 15. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil.
1: Okay?
0: There's no denying the years of affliction that they had in the wilderness. So, you say, how can they be rejoicing and be glad and be praising the Lord in these circumstances? Well, we need to keep our eyes on God in it. Keep our eyes on Christ, our Savior. Many of you have already come to experience the blessing of God in the midst of trouble. You've seen God deliver uh, in numerous ways in your life. You've heard about it from others. The testimony of God stands firm. You and I uh, can be rejoicing in the troubled times. I know that's... uh, You know, in some circumstances that's like, it seems like that's impossible. But He gives joy. He is our hope. And to wrap it up, this prayer, verse 16 and 17, number four, prayerfully and purposefully pursue, letter A, what God's doing. What is God doing Verse 16, look at it. He says, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Oh my goodness, what is what is his work and his glorious power all about? That you're saved. That you are if if you're here this morning and you are saved, that's his glorious power. Is there anything higher than that? Well, all the glory really is right back to him. That you, once, like Paul, were the worst of sinners, blasphemer, idolater, coveter, adulterer, whatever. And God forgave you of your sin. And that obviously isn't you know, look at so-and-so, look at you. No, that's look at God. Look at what God has done. His, his um, majesty and His glorious power is God's work of salvation. He's the one that saves. <laughs> you and I cannot achieve that work. If you're here this morning, and like most of us, you grew up being religious, going to church, understanding that... Mom and dad wanted me to. That's how I grew up. Maybe you grew up different, but whatever. I want to bring this out. That there's nothing that I could have done had I stayed on that pathway to gain my favor with God, to gain my righteousness with God. Nothing. That would have been an empty, vain pathway. Wouldn't have accomplished anything. But here, with the gift of salvation... From God, that He gave us His only begotten Son, all the glory goes back to God. Because you have come to faith in Christ, the glory goes to God. And again, if if you've come this morning visiting or whatever, you're not sure of where you stand with God. We want to emphasize the fact that you need to be saved. You need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Admit your sin. Because that's the problem. Your sin has separated you from your Creator. And you don't know Him. You come to know Him through faith in Christ. And Christ receives the glory. Why? Because He died for your sins. He died in your place at Calvary, on the cross. Suffering there for the sins of the world. You put your faith in Christ. You turn from sin, put your faith in Christ, and He will make you a child of God. So you, here's the issue. We come back to our outline you know, the, in the, the last two verses here. Let your work, O God, Let your work be shown to your servants. Don't you want to be a part of that? For those that have children at home, that's your, there there you go. That's the number one thing. That you disciple your kids. You lead them in your words and your behavior to faith in Christ. And you pray for them. Let it be, you pursue God's grace upon our work. Verse 17. Let's make that an ongoing prayer. Oh God, have favor on us and establish the work of our hands. Right here in Fallon. Right here at Parkside. At your home. At your work. Oh Lord, establish your work and have favor on us. What it gets to, folks, is this, that no one wants to waste their life. No one really wants to you know, come to the end of life and say, I wasted my life. How do you not waste your life? You, you follow this, this plan here in this passage. Lord, have favor on us. Lord, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Have mercy on us. May your favor be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We would just be praying, God, please guide and bless us so that what we do will last for eternity. You say, What? How, I, that, that's, how can that happen? It can happen by you spending time in the Word. Thy Word is truth, it's eternal. You spend time in the Word and translate that into your life and your behavior, your actions, your words, and guess what you're doing? You're planting seeds in the lives of your children. You're planting seeds in the lives of those around you. And the opportunity for the Gospel comes. Let's be clear about it. Let's be clear about what the Gospel is, right? Not just to say, hey, accept Jesus. You know, you need Jesus. Yeah, but not fully yeah. Okay? The gospel, it deals with the bad news about sin. The righteous news about God. And the answer, the amazing grace answer of Jesus Christ coming to die for you. So, here's some other things, other thoughts as we we need to wrap it up and get to our communion time, but Psalm 119 is about the word of God, and it says you know, it brings up this idea, thy word have I treasured in my heart, I like to say it that way, not just hid but treasured, do you treasure God's word in your heart okay, it starts there, with a love for God Lord help me to grow in my love for you and then serving Him in your house, at your work, serving Him here at church, serving Him with love, uh, cheerfully giving, uh, faithful in the little things and the big things. I'm a, I'm, God says, I'm His ambassador. So are you if you're a believer. You're an ambassador for Christ. Be ready with the gospel message. Proclaiming it. And demonstrating it in your behavior. I'm an intercessor. Believer, you're an intercessor for others that don't know the Lord. Be praying. Be a prayer, that prayer warrior. And we have many here at Parkside praying on behalf of the lost, praying on behalf of those suffering and just having a hard, hard time in life, period. And just the overall issue, of, you're a believer, you're in the body of Christ. Let's live and serve as His hands, as His feet. Loving and showing mercy. C.T. Studd said it this way, the missionary C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So we don't really have time to dive into it here, but the conclusion is from Hebrews 3. Um, where it, it points out the fact that Moses was, was great and faithful. Moses was great and faithful, but guess what? He was a servant. And Jesus made clear in he- Hebrews 3, Jesus is far greater. Far greater than the angels, far greater than Moses. He's the Son doing the will of the Father perfectly. Perfectly. Okay? Doing the work of going to the cross and willingly, lovingly laying down his life for you in sacrifice. And so we come to communion time with that thought. I'd like the men who are helping to serve to come at this time. My friend, we are one day closer to dying unless the Lord comes and we have that great hope of his second return. But until then, um, you know, we don't know what we're going to face this month or this year. But from this passage, it wasn't a complaint from Moses. You know, woe is us. We just barely made it. and we I didn't make it to the promise. No, he wasn't locked in on that. He was locked in on God. You are my God. Lord, give us a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. And so that's That's what comes to you and I. And this moment right now is designed so that we would stop, slow down, evaluate, examine, examine our own hearts and lives and ask God for His grace to make it here this month, this week, this month, and through the year saying, Lord, I want to give You the glory in my life. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give in death His life, a ransom for many. And so we exalt Him in this time and give Him thanks for what He has done. He cried from the cross, it is finished. And... We as his children, we say amen to that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Corinthians 11 um, calls the believers to examine their hearts, but also gives warning to those that are not believers not to partake of communion. This is for those who have professed faith in Christ. Not that we are perfect. No, not at all. But we want to keep walking with the Lord through our lives, through this earthly life and on to glory. So, um, guys, if you'd take uh, first the, the bread. Ask God for his help right now as we're about to pass the elements out. And Christian brother or sister, if if you're not ready, you don't have to take. But if you, if we take, let's let's do the right business with God in this, and say, I confess to you, Lord, my need, my sin, my habit that I know is displeasing. I want to, you know, I'm going to turn from that. I turn to you. You are my sufficiency. You are my you're my shelter. In my safe place. And so, let's ask for his help right now. And then the the guys can distribute. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you, giving you thanks for the fact that Jesus came and willingly, lovingly laid down his life for sinners, where he did nothing wrong, he never sinned. He is the, the perfect one, the perfect righteous one. And Lord, we, we praise you for dying in our place, for absorbing the wrath of God. Lord, we thank you that with this portion of communion, we recognize your body was given over to this task, to this uh, to, di- to dying on the cross in such a shameful, horrific way. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for what it results in, the, the resurrection and the fact that we now can be called children of God, and such we are. So, Lord, help us in spending time talking to you even now. Uh, we commit this to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, go ahead. I hope that you're familiar with the I am passages in the New Testament and the one uh, it just is a, is a delight, a joy to be reminded of he, here in our time together Jesus said in John 6 I am the bread of life I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, but uh, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. That's the, the picture of, of taking Christ in, not just knowing about Him, but just like we're going to do here. We, we will take it in, chew it, and swallow it. and, and That's one of the ways to consider this. You, you've taken Christ in. Obviously here in, in 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's partake. And if you take the the cup trays, the juice trays, and again, Father, we bow to say thank you for uh, jesus' perfect sacrifice on our behalf and the The specific issue that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, your precious blood was spilt so that sinners might be redeemed. And Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. that the Apostle Peter is the one that proclaims this truth after what he went through in his walk with the Lord. He tells us in 1 Peter 1, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, your life. (laughs) Knowing that you you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Amen and thank you you can be seated as we close our time together um, we're going to uh, sing let's uh... yeah get our selves ready there and um... we've got a song to share here in closing um, This passage that we read at the beginning of the service, Philippians 2, um, that, you would, that you and I as believers do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you approve yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I, Paul, will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And you let that sink in and I don't want to run in vain or toil in vain. I know you wouldn't want to either, would you? And so we purpose to say, uh, is my life in living known more for grumbling and disputing? or for serving as a light for Christ in a dark world and so all of us need the challenge will I be that shining light reflecting Christ and serving his body to the unsaved in our community to my neighbors my co-workers my family and will we be a gospel loving gospel ready Gospel gripped people holding forth the word of life with this heart of wisdom that we want to gain. So let's, uh, let's stand together and uh, let's close with this song. Ruin sinners to reclaim, all right? Here
1: we go. Man of sorrows, what a name For the Son of God who came Ruined sinners to reclaim Hallelujah, what a Savior Shame and scoffing rude In my place condemned he stood Sealed my pardon with his blood Hallelujah, what a Savior Guilty, vile, helpless, sweet spotless lamb of God was he for a town man can it be hallelujah what a savior lifted up was he to die it is finished was his cry now in heaven exalted high Hallelujah, what a Savior When He comes, our Lord will sing All His words of hope will be Then anew this song will sing hallelujah what a savior alright
0: before we close in a brief word of prayer Sean and Mandy happy birthday it's a you know January 1st birthdays I don't know how many have that but just wanted to mention that and Sophie think this is Sophie's last Sunday Sophie Beheimers heading off to Florida for college so be praying for the Beheimers in that transition and uh, please remember next Sunday school time okay Uh, breakfast in the fellowship hall Um, share the words share the, the the news of it and join us next Sunday and it's really nice not having children's church. Yeah, I can keep going here, can I? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, on behalf of the elders, we want to just again say thank you uh, for your um, generous and cheerful giving. Um, after another year, we uh, greatly appreciate that, and uh, and probably even more so your prayers. So, thank you for that. Um, And let's pray. Thank you again, dear Lord. There's no one, there's no one like you. Thank you for being our shelter. Thank you for being from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And we uh, pray that you would help us in relying on you and your grace today and throughout this week and uh, loving your grace and your mercy, trusting in you each step of the way. Lord, thank you again for saving us. Be glorified in saving the unsaved. Help people to turn to you in faith and trust you for their lives. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. There will be a couple up front uh, if you need prayer. So uh, other than that, Happy New Year!